So, last week we, we went a long ways. Um, and we're going to review that, but we're going to only plan to go a thousand years this, this time. So, uh, last year we went all the way from creation to a thousand BC. So, that's, um, let's see, we got the PowerPoint? All right. Obviously, this is the big picture. We're flying at 30,000 feet, and we're trying to get uh, a, uh, maybe more even a satellite image of uh, what's going on here so that we uh, can see what, last time I showed you a map, where I'm trying to give you a map of what's, what's going on, and you can uh, see in your bulletin um, the map. I hope you can make sense of this by the time we're done. And uh, one of the things I want you to see is that it starts with creation, and it ends with a new creation. And sometimes we forget the, the bookends. It's really important that it started with a creation of the way God intended it that was beautiful. The first job was to be a farmer, taking care of creation. And there, there's, there's still important things to taking care of creation. And we're getting also to a new creation. But in between there, there was a fall that happened. And then there's a redemption in history that uh, we're talking about. Now, last time we had these in the bulletin, which included the outline that we're going over. And some of you left yours at home, I know. But uh, those of you who didn't get one last time, uh, the ushers and Jan will, will pass one out. If you weren't here last week and you didn't get one, um, we're trying to, trying to conserve money so we didn't, we didn't do a, a reprint of everything. But you can see the hands. And uh, I included the outline in the PowerPoint this time so you can see where we're at, too. So... So we're looking at justice and mission in the biblical story as themes for what we are, are uh, tracing through. You know, the story, it's kind of like a tapestry where you look at different periods, but then you can also trace through different themes that are happening. So we're looking at justice and righteousness and just and right relationships, and those words are very tied in Scripture um, and it began with relationships as God created them, just and right and blessed relationship with creation, with other people, and with God was all of those things, just, right, blessed. But then rebellion against God led us to unjust relationships, the fall. But that didn't just stay with people. We traced last time how it went not only from family to society to international relationships. So what's happening in Somalia with different ethnic groups fighting with each other is way back to Babel. Different language groups, different people fighting with each other, and, and it's not just in Somalia, it's between Somalia and other nations. It's within Ethiopia, America, any place you look, there are, are not only individuals and families that are broken, but there are also relationships between people groups that are broken. And God, all that happened, and God then put in a new plan starting with 2000 B.C. or so, Abraham. He started to build a great, just, and holy nation. He promised Abraham that he was going to make him a great, just, and holy nation, and that he was going to bless him and make him a blessing to all other nations. And he moved Abraham around so that he could accomplish that. And God kind of does that, moves people around and gives them unusual relationships with different places and different people as part of his mission and part of his plan. God is on a mission to fix what we broke in the fall and to restore those just relationships with creation, to reconcile back to himself, and to redeem creation and people to himself and to each other. So God chose a nation, which was going to be a different shape of nation, 
where there were just relationships, just relationships with, with the earth and with economics, with other people, and with God. And they were going to be a blessing to all other ethnic groups. So you see how God was blessing Abraham, who was going to become a nation. They were going to bless all the other ethnic groups who were still had all those broken relationships and unjust relationships. We use the pyramid because Egypt was that kind of place, especially at the time of the people. Where they, they, so then we said, what does a nation need? Well, we said a nation needs a God. It needs people. And we have been following how God made them a people and chose them in Exodus 19 to be his own special treasure from among all peoples on earth for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my special treasure, my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests that brings people to God and brings God to people and represents God to people by the way we relate to each other. So they were a special people, blessed, and the people of all other ethnic groups were to come and join and, and see what happened in Israel. As Israel did the way of God and lived just and right and holy in their relationships, then people would see that and join them from other ethnic groups. So he gave them a just culture and showed them how to relate to each other in that way and to creation and to him. And we'll be looking in more detail at that coming up this fall. But then he gave them a land in Joshua. We talked about how he did that in a just way and divided the land justly. Then a king and David became their king and a covenant with David, where they were a house, a dynasty of David. And David was going to be on the throne for everybody. He said he would discipline them. So the house was the temple of, of Yahweh, which Solomon built. And all that just relationship was supposed to relate to all those nations around them. You know, the, these nations around them, as well as the big powers, were going to see what it was like to live as a people who were just and righteous. Now, if you haven't gotten the picture, I think last week some of you were kind of like, how does this relate to anything? Um, the fact is, I'm sneaking it in on you. This is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be this kind of people of God. This was God's plan. This was not God's plan A. This has been God's plan. And we've been grafted into this plan. And so it's... But, you know, like I said, we get into this kind of thing about my individual relationship with God and my kind of love relationship, and we get distracted because we get, the, we get the message from our culture that it's all about me, and it's all about my relationship, my love relationship, and we, we, we make it about love songs and me and mine, and then turns out we end up depressed. Because I don't know about any of the rest of your romantic relationships or marriages, but mine's not enough to make me happy all the time and fulfilled. And it's a great marriage, but it's not, right? Isn't it a great marriage? No. Um, it's a pretty good marriage, at least. Um, but it's not enough. My individual life, my romantic relationship, my marriage, or my family, or my business, or my career, or my success is not enough. That's not enough. That's what, not what I was created for. No matter what you listen to on the radio, my being American is not enough. That's not what we were created for. We were created for much more than that. We were created to be this people of God. A people of God who were 
doing God's mission, God's mission of redeeming everything back to himself. So I brought a book. Chris Wright has, a, has some great stuff. His big book, about three, four times the size of this one, is called The Mission of God. This one's called The Mission of God's People. We are part of God's mission as his people. And when this temple was built by Solomon, it was meant to attract people. They were supposed to be an attractive people. And the temple itself was a place where his name, Yahweh's name would be, so that people could see who Yahweh was. We talked about how Solomon built, and, and God blessed them, and they gave them a lot of the territory they wanted, and a lot of the hopes had been fulfilled in David and early Solomon. But Solomon, in many ways, was the greatest king of Israel, and he was the worst and wickedest king of Israel because he's the one who turned the corner from where God was blessing them to something else. And he started out seeking wisdom from God so he could rule these great people that God had given him. But then he got into his own money, sex, and power. And he got into what building his own kingdom. And things started falling apart. And so what Solomon did, there's a couple different things. One was, in order to make treaties and relationships and get his economic things to work and, you know, that land bridge there that he could collect toll as people went back and forth between Africa and Asia, he married princesses from other nations, from Egypt and from Tyre and other places, because that solidified alliances. It was really a diplomatic power thing. It wasn't really so much about sex, but he wanted diplomatic power by having these alliances. But then, you know, these wives came... And they were like, honey, I miss home. I'm so homesick. And he's like, no, 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 you can't go home. Then we mess up relationships with Egypt. We can't do that. Well, but I miss my, if I could just have a little temple like I had back in Egypt. He's like, oh, my, what am I going to do? So he makes a little temple for his Egyptian wife. And then it, you know, she, well, how come she gets a temple? I'm homesick too. How can I have a temple? So, okay, so he puts a little, a little temple over here. Pretty soon the temple is surrounded by little temples for all his wives. And the queen of Sheba, instead of coming and saying, wow, God is here and Yahweh is amazing. And this king, people come and say, oh, oh, hey, I remember. Oh, yeah, sure. This is the, this is the God from home. This is actually no different from home. I, I heard that it was different, but actually they serve the same gods here. I remember Ra and yeah, well, there's, there's a temple for Baal. So they fit in. Instead of being different from everybody else, they became just like everybody else. And then Solomon, to build his economic power, you know, in Deuteronomy 17, it had said the king should not have lots of wives. I mean, they should not have a lot of silver and gold and a lot of economic and, and political power. And they should not have tanks and fighter jets. They should be just, you know, he, he kept it low. Not a lot of chariots and horses. Don't go down to Egypt for that. That's what it said. And, but he didn't do that. He built chariot cities. And then he had to figure out how to feed those chariots. And he said, build projects. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make everybody work a month for me, for the government. And so what happened was, yeah, it was really rich in Jerusalem, but a lot of other people had a month away from their farms taking care of the building projects for Solomon. And they got upset. So he ended up oppressing the poor, and the poor got upset, and they were, and so went, he died, and his son came along. One of, the, one of the leaders of the workers came and said, you know what? Your father 
really put a heavy burden on us. If you'd lighten that up a bit, Rehoboam, son of Solomon, we would serve you loyally. And Rehoboam, not being wise like his father, he asked the old guys, and they said, yeah, just lighten up a little bit. Things will be okay. And then the young guy said, no, tell him who's boss. Said, you think my dad was tough. I'm tougher. So you know what happened? Ten, ten tribes left. But it was actually judgment from God because of two sins. One, idolatry, all those other gods. And two, oppressing the poor by making the poor work for him to build up his kingdom, his project of Solomon. And so God disciplined his kingdom because of their injustice of worshiping idols and oppressing the poor. Those were the main things that God got upset with them about because those unjust relationships came in, un idol worship and oppressing the poor. And, and the relationship with the land wasn't good either. And the, the, that's supposed to be a sword there or a stick because he said, I'll discipline them with a rod. I will. He promised he would not withdraw the kingdom from his son. So he actually left Judah and another with, with, uh, with Solomon because of his love for David, because of the promise he'd made to David. But ten nations went off. And the kingdom was divided. And you notice how now we have Israel and Judah as pyramids because they're becoming just like all the other nations, just idolatrous and oppressing the poor and, and unjust relationships like the other nations. So God divided between these ethnic groups, between these people. That Some of the tribes said, well, we're, we don't want anything to do with you guys. They split, and that was part of God's discipline of them because of who they had become. So... If you're following the chart, that's Act 2, and that's the first thing. And then God sent prophets. What does a prophet do? A prophet brings God's word to God's people in their specific situation. So there's, we talked about last time, there's, there's the, the Bible, the priests taught what was in the Torah. They said, the word of God says, this is what you're supposed to do. And, and the, the wise people said, you know what I've noticed? So for example... The word of God said, do not commit adultery. So the priest said, do not commit adultery. And the, and the uh, wise people said, you know, when people get, commit adultery, they get into all kinds of problems. I've noticed. Watch that person, this person, that person. That's what I've noticed. The prophet said, you, you are adulterous. And they called out not only individuals, but the nation. They said, Yahweh was supposed to be your master. Yahweh was supposed to be your husband. Now you're going after Baal. And you're going after others. And so God were, God sends his word to the prophets because he loves them, because he cares about them, because he doesn't like them running off with other lovers. He doesn't like them living in this unjust way. So the Old Testament prophets who are right, the, what we have recorded in the prophets section of this, primarily about three major crises. When Assyria comes to capture Israel, when Babylon comes to capture Judah, and then coming back, from Babylon to the land. So ABC are the main headlines that the prophets are giving the opinion pages for. What is God's opinion about what's going on in the headlines? What is happening with, with the people of, in each of these situations, okay? Um, so in Israel, you'll see some of the names of some of the prophets. Elijah, Elisha, Amos, Jonah, Hosea, those are prophets to Israel. Elijah, for example. Do you remember Elijah? 
Now, we remember the famous thing where he says, are you going to follow Baal and other gods? You get Yahweh and Baal and, and, and? Or are you going to just follow Yahweh? Are you going to trust Yahweh and your insurance and your job and your career and your wife and your, or are you just going to follow Yahweh? You're just going to trust Yahweh. And he has this big contest and Yahweh shows that he is the God that sends fire and sends rain, even though that was Baal's specialty. You remember that story? Fire comes down. Do you remember the other story about oppressing the poor, where Elijah comes to, to Jezebel and Ahab, and Ahab wanted this little piece of land. Remember the economics and, the, and the, how the land went? Naboth, that was his family land, and he, he wanted this little garden. And he was all upset and depressed because he couldn't have a garden. And Jezebel, she was married in from those. She's like, you're the king. What can, what can you, how can you get upset about something little like that? I'll show you how you do it. We just, this is how we do things. She brought some lying prophets. She manipulated the little corruption going on. And she's just bumped Naboth off to a, to a little, uh, you know, court case and get rid of him. And then you go get it. So Ahab goes, yeah, I got my land. And Elijah showed up and said, this is why you're going to die. Because you took the land that God gave to someone else. You are not king in Israel. God is king in Israel. He gave you something. You have plenty of land. So oppressing the poor was one of the things Elijah was after. Idolatry was another thing Elijah was after. Um, we're not going to go through all the message of the other prophets. Um, but eventually God judges them because of that. Assyria comes, and all the, all the kings of Israel were bad. They just went bad to bad to badder. And was downhill, and God took Assyria out, took those ten tribes out, and you know what? That's it. We don't really hear about those ten tribes anymore. People keep claiming, oh, the British are the lost ten tribes, or somebody is the lost ten tribes, but they just kind of disappear because they didn't follow who God wanted them to be. God, you know, God makes a covenant with us, but we have to stay in the covenant, be part of the covenant, if we want to be part of the covenant. Um, so, so Judah does better. Judah has some good kings. You remember Hezekiah? So when the Assyrians came through and they were beating up and wiping out Israel, they came and surrounded Jerusalem. And Hezekiah cried out to God and God rescued them and it was amazing. Remember, Isaiah was part of that. Um, but after that, let's look at Jeremiah 7. I'm trying to give you, a, even though we're at 30,000 feet, let's look a little at, at uh, specific scripture. Um, Jeremiah 7. Because in the end, Judah is also judged. So I put up some of these uh, some of these. Uh, other prophets that spoke. So Jeremiah is one of the prophets that spoke during the time of Judah. And he goes and it starts in chapter 7, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. Stand at the gate of Yahweh's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of Yahweh, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship Yahweh. This is what Yahweh Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and actions, and I will let you live in this place. 
Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh, the temple of Yahweh. In other words, they remember that it got rescued. It was the only thing that stood when Assyria came. And so they're like, it's because we have the temple. We have the temple, and so this can't be destroyed. This is the temple of Yahweh. And he's saying, uh-uh, that's not how it works. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, if you don't oppress the foreigners, the fatherless, the widow, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, so what are those two things? Oppressing the poor and idolatry, following other gods, right? If you don't do those things, then I will let you live in this place and in the land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. But look, you're trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Wait a second. You gave the land forever and ever, but you're still willing to kick us out of it? If we don't do what's right and just, if we follow other gods or we oppress the poor? Yes. He says, will you steal and murder and commit adultery and perjury? It's between people, injustice. Burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known? Idolatry. And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we're safe? Safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. Going out of the place in Shiloh where I first made my name, my dwelling for my name, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And he goes on and says, what about Israel? He, he tells them that you're not safe if you're not doing what I asked you to do. And we cannot come into this place and say, well, this is a house of prayer for all nations. We're safe. We can't say, I'm evangelical. I'm born again. I, I worship. I, I sing really well. If what we actually do as a people is following other gods or resulting in oppression of the poor, we can't say we're safe. God's blessed us as, as evangelical American Christians. Look at all the blessings we have. We're safe. God's, oh yeah, other things happen to other places, but we're safe. Are we? We have to ask, what are we doing as a people? Not just as individuals, because what happened was they didn't listen to all those prophets that God graciously sent to them one after the other. They didn't reform their actions. They didn't do justice. And God sent Babylon to wipe them out and destroy the temple. And people were like, what? How can the temple of Yahweh be destroyed? How can Yahweh be defeated? And Ezekiel said, no, no, no. Yahweh got sick of the place. He was surrounding it with, with idol worship and oppression of the poor, and he said, you know what? I'm out of here. He couldn't stand the stink. He talks about the, the lift, the cloud lifting and leaving. So it was just a bunch of stones that got knocked down. It was not the place that held the name of Yahweh. He gave up on their wickedness. So, um, 
the uh, so so God took them out, took them to Babylon, and uh, they were judged for what they did wrong. So Israel failed and Judah failed to do what God had given them to do. They failed to be that just people of God. You know what, folks? It's 5 to 12. We're not going to make it to Jesus today. Um, <laughs> just so you were nervous, I know you were more concerned about dinner than Jesus, right? No, no, no. no. Not putting you that on you. Um, no, no. Um, but I do want, I would do want to make a point. Israel failed, but God did not fail. Because God could not change who he was. Habakkuk says, what, what, I don't get it. What's going on? You're poor, oppressed, and crushed all the time. And, you, and, the, and the leaders of Judah are doing this, and you let that go. And he complains, and he cries out to God and says, how come this is going on? And God says, you know what? I'm going to take care of it. I'm a God of justice. The Babylonians are going to come and, sorry, that's an African thing. Chop at these people. They're going to whack these people. They're going to discipline these people. They're going to discipline these people because they're doing the wrong thing. And Habakkuk says, what? The Babylonians? They're worse than everybody. And he says, well, yeah, but I'm going to judge the Babylonians after that for what they've done. And Habakkuk is like, wow. Okay, I, I'm going to just trust God. Even when the economy falls apart and even when everything's terrible, I'm just going to trust God. And, and that's, what he, that's what he says in the end, in the end of Habakkuk. So the, here's the thing I want you to get is that God's plan didn't fail. Even though Israel failed, Judah failed, Solomon failed, God's plan didn't fail. And God didn't even say, you know what, that, that didn't work. So, you know, forget Israel. Let me do plan B. And then maybe after the rapture, I'll get back to Israel or something. No, no. God stayed with his plan. Abraham's people. And, um, okay, we'll get to Jesus quickly. If you look at, I'm going to have to skip one of these parts to get there. God brings a remnant back. We'll, we'll get that last, next time. But God sends his Messiah to keep the promise to Abraham and his descendants. The goal of the promise is beginning a just kingdom of God. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus accomplishes this. Mark 1.15, Jesus' first sermon. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins. Believe the good news. What Jesus announced was what God was always doing. The promise to Abraham, to Israel, to, through the prophets. Because when things were really bad, the prophets would say, but the day of the Lord is coming. It's going to be different. Even though you see the temple destroyed, the day of the Lord is coming. And Jesus says, this is it. It's fulfilled. And then he says, pray for the kingdom to come. So it's already here. It's not yet here. We'll get there. But the point is, Jesus didn't come with plan B. Jesus came to fulfill plan A. That plan that was given to Abraham, plan A, was the one that Jesus fulfilled, which is why 
Matthew starts with Abraham and David, and he goes through the genealogy. Luke starts way back with Adam and says, these all being fulfilled with Jesus. And there's a new people of God that comes out of that called the church. And we get grafted into the plan with Israel. Not like we're going to skip that plan, new thing. We get become part of that plan. We are part of that plan. I mean, thousands of years we are part of. And we are going to be born. And maybe we're going to die. But we can be part of this plan of thousands of years. And we're in this little local church in St. Paul, Minnesota. But we're part of a plan that spans the globe now. That God is doing. But how are we going to be in the plan? Are we going to be one of those that messes up and just ends up sidetracked? Or are we going to be one of those that advances the next step? This is our opportunity. This is not just about me and my little life or my little whatever. This is about a global, all of history, all people of God plan that you get to be part of. I get to be part of. And you know what? It's all about mercy. Um, if, the, if the worship team would come up. I know that sometimes you say, like I do, you know, I thought the story was going this way. In my life, or my church, or the church. You know, I, th I thought it was all about church growth, and we were going to do church growth. And now they're closing the church just over on the corner, and they're closing that church over there, and what's going on? I thought it was about church growth. And we, and, and you know, I, maybe some of us thought America was the kingdom of God, and it was going to really bring, it was going to be a, and it's not quite the way you figured it. You're trying to figure out if it's Babylon or, or Israel, and which stage of Israel, right? Some of us are confused. Your life didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to be. My life didn't turn out exactly like I thought it was going to be. And my day and my week often doesn't turn out the way I thought it was going to be. Let's, let's sing Relentless Love.